welcome to Knock On Podcast, where we bring you archery information and education that you can trust. Knock On was created as a way to bring all archers together, regardless of the brand you choose or the style of archery you shoot. Knock On Podcasting will deliver professional insights to the latest gear, proper shooting technique, along with high-level equipment setup and tuning. What's up, everybody? That's a new intro, by the way. I've been working on... I've been practicing... But Jeff Janice, freaking Hail Mary extraordinaire. <laughs> I guess I'll take that. Dude, yeah. I When we named your bow Hail Mary, simply because you show up, show up in your Chevy Spark. Um, <laughs> is that a lease, or could you afford to buy it? Uh, that one, I'm not sure I could, <laughs> I could afford that one. <laughs> I'm kidding, everyone. But yeah, Poor Jeff is like, wait, you, dude, you've been waiting like two years to come, haven't you? Yeah. Probably. Yeah. And so Jeff is like coming to have a bow build and, you know, have some fun. And of course, you're freaking, you miss your second. Well, it's not your fault, but no. your delay made you miss your second flight in Chicago. So it was a mad scramble because they were going to fly you back home to mm-hmm. then wait a day to fly back. Yep. And so I just said, dude, Chicago's five hours. Yep. Freaking get after it. Yeah. And, and I knew you had set up, set this time aside. So I was like, <laughs> dude, I can't like, my wife's like, well, can you ask him if you can push it back or something? I'm like, no, I, I got to make this happen. So luckily one rental car place, let me do Hertz. A, a one way. Yes. Hertz. Shout Holla. out to Hertz. Holla. <laughs> They, they, had, get, they had a Chevy Spark left, and I said, <laughs> give me it. Freaking took that front seat out, <laughs> sat in the back seat, and drove here. <laughs> Pretty much. And what's funny is, uh, just to go back, I, we were we were actually in the, in the school uh, doing some, I, th- I forgot what we were doing, but we were doing some other content, um, I think, for some tax stuff that we've got coming up. And uh, was like, hit double tapped his keys uh which were actually my keys to the gladiator double tapped them and so i heard like honk and that was probably about 10 minutes after i checked in with you and so i'm i said oh he's here and i went out and looked out the door and then he goes no that was just me i just was making sure the truck was locked so i came back in and we were just starting to like get ready to go and then he goes Oh, that was him. And I said, what? And he goes, yeah, I just heard like car door. So I opened the door and I looked out and my gladiator is right there. And I, I looked out and there's nothing there. So I come back in. I go, no, that wasn't him. And then I heard something at the door and I turned right back around and opened it up. And you're freaking right there. <laughs> and I didn't realize that the car that they had gave you was so small it actually fit behind the cab of the whole car was smaller than the cab of my gladiator yeah it's tiny and (laughs) (laughs) i took a picture of it because uh maybe after the podcast i'll post it so people kind of have an idea of it next to your gladiator well it's barely it's barely bigger than your wingspan because we had you put your arms out and your wingspan is almost there yeah it's what probably seven foot long yeah you could grab the motor and whoever's in the back seat in one one swoop yep for sure yeah and of course it's like 30 40 mile an hour winds my whole way here just (laughs) getting blown all over the freeway freaking iowa you know (laughs) 
heavy winds, the smell of pig poo, and poor internet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's about right. And big deer, of course. Yeah. And, yeah. The, and then you drive around, and you're like, oh, well, maybe mm-hmm. I'll take that pig poo internet. I would. Yeah. I'd trade it for my situation <laughs> in Michigan <laughs> any day. Dude, I've had a blast with you. I, I'll have to say you're you're the most natural archer I've ever coached. That's crazy. And and I don't know early, why. <laughs> earlier in the week I had the most natural um like builder when it came to teaching knots mm-hmm. and teaching you know, I, yeah. I had uh, I had someone here two days ago that when they were tying knots, I kind of the first time I show, I kind of step back and I just said, "You just do it a few times mm-hmm. and keep going, and we'll cut that one off and keep going." But I, but when I went up, I was like, "Oh, okay, well you're done." And then I wasn't. Well, you were not. <laughs> I got to work on that aspect still. <laughs> you went till I think till you bled, or yeah, at least till you cut yourself. It was yourself. close. It was close. Pinky's still a little sore. <laughs> so you went till then, and. Then I was thinking, okay, well, once we start shooting, you know, might have a little learning curve here and there. And then you're just like, oh, yeah, watch this. And you just freaking brought the heat. Oh, like I said, a lot of it has to do with watching your videos before I came here and the past couple of years of just. Stalker status. By pretty the, much. By the looks yeah, of it. <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. But it worked. Yeah. Well, dude, it was, I was. I had a really fun time. We had another one of our um one of our friends, Tim, came in and Tim had way more stories than I knew existed, but the more like the deeper they got, the better they got. Mm-hmm. So uh the three of us were thoroughly enjoying these oh, yeah. storytelling times. The stories are, were those were great. And then before we knew it, you had your bow done, your bow was built, and I kind of just said, here's my release. I made two shots, I think. I shot, I think I shot once, and I was a bit high. Then I shot, um, moved the sight, shot the second time. It, it was like, I don't know if it was dead center, but it was pretty freaking close. Mm-hmm. And then I just thought, well, this is good enough just to let them get the feel of this because I kind of felt bad shooting your bow for the first time, but I also wanted yeah. to make sure we weren't going to, like, shoot through a wall or something. Yeah. Uh, and then you just step up and make me want to leave because you just well, <laughs> start freaking shooting veins off. Well, I'm like, oh, it must just be the bow. It's not how I'm shooting because <laughs> most bows, you know, if I set them up myself, I always have to do some sort of, <laughs> all right, I got to figure out what's going on here, shoot it through paper, make some adjustments. That thing I like picked up and it was like, thunk, uh. yeah, then you like hit that arrow yeah. and then I think you shot a little bit more and then this morning uh after what i think was a pretty solid meal last night yeah uh we got your 20 dialed um built some arrows that i thought would match it well and cut those things off got them got your 20 zeroed again and then put the the calibration tape on spot hog calibration tape got your 60 nailed which by the way was also pretty dumb that you <laughs> kind of almost wrecked your first arrow with the second arrow that was in the mid well technically the first one was six inches high so i yeah. moved it one number mm-hmm. and then your next one was like in the x was it in the x 
I don't think it was in the X, but it was tweener, just out of the X. It was dang close. Okay, yeah. tweener, and then the next arrow was like right off yeah. of that one. I mean, it looked like the same arrow. So then we put your tape on, and then we went hundo right out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just said <laughs> might as well. I put it to hundred, and I'm like, okay, let's just make sure the long range one works. And then he's just like, ten. Yeah, I heard you say ten, and I'm like. Is that good? Tim, yeah, and Tim looked at me like right? Tim looked at me like, "Who is this a hole?" And then because <laughs> he had been out there shooting for who knows how long, and then he shot the second one. Freaking that one was <laughs> like maybe an X. I don't know. It was right in there. And then yeah, you were good. Yeah, once I walked up to the arrows and I saw because I know he had been shooting and I saw his group and I saw my couple and I'm like, oh man, this thing's brand new. I just shot it twice, you know. At 100, and there's right, right there. That I'm was like, awesome. It's so convenient for you to be the same size as me. Yeah, I agree. I mean, <laughs> I don't know if we're the same size, but we're very close. You're probably, what, an inch taller? You're I six, mean, I six, would think so. 6'4"? I would think so. Yeah. Two inches at one time, but gravity. Yep. Yeah, as time goes. 20 years of age. Yeah. Gray hair and an inch. Yeah. That happens. Mm-hmm. Well, dude, where... You have to tell us, well, first off, I mean, thank you for this Green Bay Packer jersey. Yeah, of course. It's pretty awesome. That's the least I could do. <laughs> it, it is awesome. Like I said earlier, thank I'm like, you. man, I wish I could, like, teach you something, but I don't have, like, a football or a tire machine here. So <laughs> <laughs> I can't really do much other than shoot your bow. <laughs> well, tell us, like, tell me what it was like for for football. Obviously, being a receiver, mm-hmm. got to – I, I didn't realize that if you typed in your name, Jeff mm-hmm. Janice, mm-hmm. and, like, Hail Mary, then, yeah. boom, there you are, catch, yeah. catching the jumping up for the long bombs. <laughs> yeah, it was a pretty surreal feeling, man. Um, but just coming from a small town of, you know, a 1,000 people, um, going to a Division two small school, and then getting drafted. I mean, I was a seventh rounder, but <clears throat> just to all of a sudden be in the locker room and it's like, there's Clay Matthews, there's Aaron, there's Jordy. There, oh, what am I doing here? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. it's just I went from being a small town to all of a sudden I'm there with these guys, and I'm like, man, it, part of it was like, do I even belong here? Like, this is just insane. But as you get to know the guys and just be around them for five, ten minutes, you're like, oh, these are just normal. we're here to do. They're the normal job. dudes that are just really good at football. Yeah. So yep. it was it was definitely fun. Yeah, that's cool. I felt the same way. I remember the first day that I had a a pro event, and I remember when I looked at who was assigned to what targets, I looked and I was like, "Holy cow! How am I going to shoot? How am I going to shoot good around this person?" Because mm-hmm. you know, I, I was with Larry Weir, and I know I was with Randy Chapel. I'm not sure who else I was with, so sorry if you remember, but I don't. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I was, you know, and I think the very first target was a 52-yard wolf. And I remember stepping up thinking, oh, no, you know, <laughs> first mm-hmm. impressions can be yeah. could possibly be horrible. Mm-hmm. But what was awesome about it is – there was kind of 50 yards was supposed to be the max, like plus or minus. And when you looked at it, I was like, that's max. Mm-hmm. You know, that's max. 
And so um, the Cabela's tour had center 12s or, yeah, I'm sure, they might have been 11s. I don't know how they scored. I can't remember how they scored them. But I remember thinking that thing's every bit of 50. So I put my – I just set my sight on fi- like a strong 50 and just aimed center and shot broke really good and I hung the bottom of the 10, which is still like I'm good, I'm mm-hmm. still even. And I think I had to lead off even. And when that thing hit, I just remember thinking like, oh, yes. Like, it's kind of like being at the tack when there's yeah. a 130-yard rabbit or something mm-hmm. dumb yeah, out no, there. And you 100%. just hear foam. I was pumped to hear foam. And then when I looked and I saw that thing sitting in the 10 ring, oh, it was a good feeling. <laughs> and honestly, I think I, I know that I ended up making the money at my very first shoot as a pro and, and shot better than I'd hoped. But I think that first arrow, for me, just got the nerves out so fast that I yeah. wasn't going to make an idiot of myself. Mm-hmm. Did you have the same thing? Yeah. What was your first pass? Did you drop it? Oh, geez, I don't know. I don't think so. <laughs> I feel like I had to remember that. But, like, I feel like what a lot of people don't realize about the NFL, um, if you're, like, a late-round pick, especially a seventh-round pick or free agent, I mean, you have to make the team. Yeah. So even though I was a seventh-round pick, I signed a four-year contract – that, they can cut you at any time. That's not like a guaranteed, I'm here for four years, so I'll just do my best. No, yep. it's like you have to make the team every <laughs> single year, and I had to make the team. We're going to let you try out <laughs> for four years. Yeah, yeah, basically, <laughs> that's what it is, every single year. And when they cut the roster from 90 to 53, you're just like praying that your phone doesn't ring. Like, just <laughs> nobody call me, just nobody call me. And, of course, there's always some random phone call that day. But, <laughs> but yeah, so, like, you, you get thrown in. You a Kirby or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So uh, the day I got drafted, the following day, I was in Green Bay already, practicing, lifting, yada, yada. But once you get around all the guys and you just start running plays and you're going against DBs and stuff, like just your natural abilities kind of take over. And Mm -hmm. that's when I kind of – I mean, I had a little bit of that at the Senior Bowl because at the Senior Bowl um, I was like one of two or three Division II guys there. And that's – I was going against all Division I guys. And that's when I was kind of like, oh, like – I can I can do this. Yeah. But then you get to the NFL and it's like, okay, this is another now you're another the top step. Yeah. One percent of exactly the, of the yeah the D ones exactly. So then once I got there and I started running plays and going against DBs and you know memorizing the playbook and stuff, I was like, okay, I, I can do this. Like I actually belong here. So it how was, long have you been out? Let's see, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen. Um, then I was released in eighteen. So, going on three years. Has like, has anyone chucked a football at football at you? To where? Oh yeah, They're, like my buddies, they just get a kick out of it because it's like, dude, whatever we throw at him, he just catches. Like, <laughs> do you still? Or is it still the same? Uh, a little bit, yeah. I mean, it's just a lot of hand-eye coordination. I feel like you're just kind of obviously you can get better at it, but you kind of have a natural ability. Well, I know that. At one time, I could throw a football. Like, I could definitely throw one. Honestly, I know, like, without a doubt, I could huck, I could huck a football. And I threw a, a lot of them. Like, probably as probably I would, I would imagine you could throw a football pretty far. <laughs> I, could, I could. And I and I practiced a lot because I, I didn't sleep much. I threw so many footballs into garbage cans and laundry baskets. Just freaking 18-yard line corners mm-hmm. just – you know, mm-hmm. freaking 73 faders, dude, on a three-step, yeah. just <laughs> all day long. 
And when I left football to shoot archery, didn't even really think about it, honestly. Didn't think about it at all until until Hoyt came to do the I Am Defiant video. And so the camera guy, Taylor, said, hey, is there any way we can, you know, we want to, do you have, like, any of your old jerseys? So I had, mm-hmm. you know, my old jerseys and I had like game balls and stuff all in this box. So we get one out and pump up a game ball. And he's like, you know, hey, I want to get you just like hucking one. So I kind of like threw it a few, a few times. And then I'm pretty sure it had been like, I'm trying to think. Bet it had been 17 years since I had thrown a football. Oh, wow. And I'm lucky that I have a right arm right now because <laughs> he wanted like a slow-mo three-step drop, just let it rip. That probably hurt. Dude, I felt like I was throwing that Chevy Spark. <laughs> like I didn't realize how heavy yeah. a football was and everything. And I, and as much as you want to talk about I used to be able to throw a football, I almost – it's not worth me saying that I can because mm-hmm. right now – Yeah, it's just different. Yeah, I what mean, lev- what it'd be level like trying of, uh, for football? most people to try to throw a shot put? Yeah. What level of football did you play up to? Well, I was gonna go. I was gonna go D one, mm-hmm. but I literally went into this archery shop and. Oh, it, so you chose not to play Division one football? Yeah, during my like oh. like while all my stuff was moved in at school. Really? Yeah, I went. I literally went down this road, sucked at an archery three D archery range that I didn't even. I didn't wow. really know 3D archery existed, but mm-hmm. I just happened to see this thing that said archery shoot, went down there, went out and had my bow hunting set up and then ha- lost every arrow, like m- probably halfway through the course. And I was so pissed that I left the shoot, drove to a Gander Mountain, bought another dozen arrows, drove back and then finished. And then... All the people that won awards, I was looking at those guys, and they had the name of the shop on their mm-hmm. shirt. And the next day, I was in that shop, like trying, just asking questions. Because I'm, I'm assuming you were like me in that. And my high school wasn't super big. Mm-hmm. I mean, we were a we were a four A school out of a six A state. Okay. Um, but like where I went to school, just just like. I went to school school in like a northwest suburb of Chicago, mm-hmm. so like McNabb was like right there at Mount Carmel. Okay, you know, and and uh, like basketball, I had to guard Garnett, you know, like in playoffs. Dang. You know, it was it, there was some there were some studs around that area. You know, there was quite a quite a few big recruits. But it really didn't matter what sport I was. I was better than average at like anything I tried, mm-hmm. really. So that was really the first time I felt like I sucked at something, and it, it really just off, like, it really man. did. Like I, <laughs> I, I didn't really know that I liked archery. I just know that I didn't like to be that bad at something. So mm-hmm. I just had it set in my mind like. I just got, I'm just going to do this till I can, you know, it's like when someone says, you know, Hey, let's play a little 
you know, finger football mm-hmm. thing and they flip yeah. the thing at you and you can't like get between yeah, the goalposts. Like, You're just like, I'm going to do it until you get through the goalposts. Yep. It was like that feeling. And then they called me in the back to help fletch arrows because the manager of the shop forgot to fletch arrows for someone that had bought some. And so he took me in the back room. He goes, Hey, you know, I'm going to show you how to do this. And then once I started fletching arrows, I realized, man, that's the coolest thing on the planet, yeah. learning to fletch arrows. And I was hooked. I was hooked. And I remember vividly going to tell my dad, who was very, very, very athletic, you know, hey, I think I'm going to not do school and work for this archery shop. And he, he kind of said, well, what does archery pay? And I remember saying well it's 410 an hour or something like that and he just he had never really told me no about anything but mm-hmm. um I shouldn't say he told he never told me no but he never you know he never really like tried to force me into certain decisions mm-hmm. but he made it very clear that he thought that was a horrible decision he's like this this is a terrible decision but you know probably about 4 years ago I remember for Father's Day or something, he wrote me a thing and just said, you know, hey, you proved me wrong, dude. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> He's like, if you asked me today if to do the same thing, I'd still tell you that was a terrible decision. Yeah. But he said you made it work, you yeah. know, which is true. That is crazy. I guess when I was little, my mom said that I would always tell her, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a professional football player. And Really? I mean, I don't remember that, but it's just – when you look at the statistics of how many guys make it, it is just like, dude, it is like it's zero. Even, it's almost not a statistic, really. Yeah, yeah, it's like point zero, whatever. It's like, yeah. And then to be from where I'm from, go to a small school, play for that the amount of time I did. I'm like, it just doesn't make sense to me. Who is your most impressionable player? Um, just because I was in Green Bay for that amount of time, I would say probably Jordy Nelson. Just how he carried himself, how he treated the job. How, mean, how old were you at that time? Let's see. So it was like a mentor thing too? Yeah. Cause so yeah, I critical. Was, I was 22, I think. Oh, dang. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I was, I was young. I mean, you're still young to me, but. Yeah, I'm 29 now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, which is still fairly young to me, but yeah, 22. Mm-hmm having some type of somebody to watch yeah like okay that's how i need to do it and i remember um my very first preseason game my first catch against st louis uh i took it to the house for a touchdown so like of course after the game you know the media is like right in the locker and stuff and i was like getting dressed and kind of talking to the media and i was like sitting down and he came over and was like hey stand up when you talk to him and i was just you know of course i'm like wide up okay (laughs) <laughs> so, I mean, just to have that type of guy in the room, it just kind of sets the bar. What's the rules for media coming in? I've never really even paid attention oh, to it. Oh, man, I don't know. They're just always there. <laughs> if I'm honest, when I stopped playing, I stopped – I lost all interest in watching. Yeah. yeah. It was almost like I turned a page and I didn't want to, you know, think about – that it's just like okay i'm i made this decision so i'm going down this road but i'm not ever looking over that way Mm -hmm. yeah 
Yeah, there's certain days where they're allowed in after practice, and then obviously after games they're there for a certain amount of time. But they they have a, like a cutoff time period where they're like, all right. Are they in there right up. away, or are they in there after games? Yeah. Uh, there's a certain time period because you know the coach talks to you, everybody's showering, yada yada. But I mean, so they they're say, there pretty soon. So they say like, hey, you got 50 minutes. Pretty coach, much. Coach is going to recap. Yeah, because a lot of the times there's if you had a good game, there's people swarming behind your locker, and you're like naked trying to like get you know, get dressed after shower in the game and stuff, and they're just standing there waiting to talk to you. It's like, Jeez. guys, like, can I get at least dressed first? <laughs> it's like, gosh. I'm surprised there's not more slippage of the film. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they probably go over it pretty heavily now before they post anything because there was a viral video when I was in, like, middle school of something like that in the Cowboys locker room on the news, you know, like, live, and it was, like, Ding, ding. <laughs> going by in the background like oh whoops that would be it, it's probably intentional too knowing most knowing most locker rooms that i'm in oh i'm sure the player yeah he was like oh wait where's that camera oh, yep. yep here we here go, we go. <laughs> it's time to roll so what was your most uh memorable coach not and it not necessarily just for for football or nfl is there mm-hmm. one coach that implemented some type of a, I don't know, some type of a behavior that just changed you as an athlete, even because right now you're a great student. Like, yeah, you know, you, in, in my opinion, you studied film, mm-hmm. you came to this game, like ready, you came to this game ready to play, yeah. you know, and you freaking, you won, dude. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, as, as much athletics as I've played throughout my career, I mean, growing up uh, an only child. Um, and just seeing how my mom dealt with everything, yeah, carried herself, you know, how she treated me, what she expected of me. Um, I think that alone just has set the bar for me. Like, okay, that's, that's how things are done. That's how I need to act. Um, it's just knowing that how she wanted me to act has just got me through school. I mean, it just, it never was a, a question of like, do I need to go to class today in college? You know what I mean? I was it manners or was it? more i mean do you think it was i don't really know how to say it it's like you know yeah there's certain manners that it you know this is what you need to do to be respectful to your peers and your adults or everything or yeah i mean that was that was definitely part of it um but i mean just seeing as a young kid seeing her get up early every single day never miss work that type i mean that alone is like i mean me even nowadays i'm like a stickler for being on time like i just and then, Except for when you come here. Yeah, exactly. I missed that. Wasn't my fault though. <laughs> and I was pissed because she never taught you finger pointing. Or? <laughs> I'm like, gosh. Damn. <laughs> but yeah, I could just, tell you were so bummed out. Dude, I was. So I had to play it. I was. I because that's why I texted you. I'm like, dude, I don't know what to do. I'm like, I. I, I should have just said, dude, I got an opening 2023. Oh, I would have been like, <laughs> oh no. <laughs> But, no, I think that played a huge role in, in how I am today. But also, all the coaches that I've had along the way as well, I mean, they were all different. Um, I pretty much only got recruited out of high school because of my high school coach sending my DVD to everybody he could, every college. That was probably the only reason why I even had a Division One look, even though I didn't end up getting a scholarship. But At least you were able to edit on a DVD. Yeah. Dude, we, we spliced VHS, VHS together. Uh, yeah, pr- my highlight film that was sent out is probably like well i know there's like a bunch of like kind of you know like jargling in between mm-hmm. each clip 
and then probably somewhere in there there's like i don't know there's some kind there's probably like some little brief thing like mad max or mm-hmm. or search for animal chin or something where yep. you could record remember when you'd record mm-hmm. tv with the vhs yeah. yeah so i think i had done a whole lot of that and then put together a tape with highlights from other tapes yep. that had also been recorded over yep. multiple times. Yep. So yeah, <laughs> I, be, cool. I bet it's, I bet, <laughs> I bet it was a doozy yeah. looking back. Yeah. So, and then when I was getting recruited to go to college, um, I mean, central Michigan had some interest. They had talked to me quite a few times. So I kind of thought that's where I was going to go. And then that just kind of conversation just kind of stopped. And then I started visiting, visiting division one schools and, um, <clears throat> Most of the schools I visited, I was just kind of like, man, I don't really like it here. Mm-hmm. The coaches never really like looked at me like I was going to, like they were interested. It was just like another kid there on a visit. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to Grand Valley, who was at the time, I mean, they still are really good, but they're all rival school. So they told me that I wasn't good enough. No, you can walk on if you want, but we don't want to give you a scholarship. Last school I went to was Saginaw Valley, just talking to the, to coach. I mean, I, I could see the way he looked at me like, this kid might be might be special, mm. and I like the school. And I'm like, man, like I f- I was feeling it from the coaches. I was feeling it from the the whole environment of the school. So I'm like, this is this is where I want to go. Wonder what the like the the recruiters, especially like I think recruiting would potentially be easier now because you could see everything from your phone. You know, if you Googled the right or if you mm-hmm. like had the right search or hashtags, but. Back when the recruiters had to get out and get after it and like yeah. look at look at local <clears throat> papers and all that stuff, I run I wonder because there were certainly some schools that I got asked to come to a recruiting weekend at and I felt the same way as as you. I knew right away like I, I felt like I was there to fill a number mm-hmm. but I wasn't you could tell who they really wanted. Yeah. Like yeah. you could tell, you could tell who was, you know, yep. when, when a coach is with one guy and both his parents, yeah, it's like, yeah, and then there's like <laughs> a host, like taking the mass around. Yeah. It's almost like, Hey, you 50 can pay for that guy. Yeah. That, that exact <laughs> same thing happened to me. I went to a, a football camp at U- university of Michigan, a five day mm-hmm. camp. And I was like, so pumped about it. Cause I mean, I was a Michigan fan. I'm like, dude. This is, like, my chance. And the first day, like, they had all the receivers, you know, all the receivers get together. They got us all together. And there's, I don't know, there's a picture of it that I still have hanging on my wall. There's, like, I don't know, 80 of us, like, a lot. And they were, like, they called out 15, 20 names, and they said, and everybody else, follow that coach. (laughs) And it was, like, of course, they didn't call my name. And I'm, like, (laughs) oh, that can't be good. Like, this ain't happening. So from, like, that whole, the rest of, like, the four days I was there, man, I'm like, this is, like, I just just felt like I was just one of the dudes there to, to pay yeah. to go to the camp and thank you and see you later. Yeah, but I'm sure there's probably some type of a statistic that says, you know, if you bring in 80 people, then, you know, two out of 80 will be a legit, red shirt walk on mm-hmm. that will be a standout you yeah. know or you know but you have to bring in this many to find one of those right. people mm-hmm. you know 
So what got you into bow hunting and archery? Uh, one of my friends when I was growing up, uh, I think I was about ninth grade, right in that time frame. Uh, he shot bows, and I was like, oh, cool. He, he had an extra youth bow, and he was like, here, you can shoot with me. And I just, of course, it was way too small for me, and I, you know, the draw length was st- stupid, but it just got me shooting arrows, and I'm like, hey, this is kind of fun. And then I saved up some money, and I bought, like, a bow out of uh, the Cabela's magazine, you know, called in the order and yada, yada. <laughs> and that's when I, like, actually started, like, getting in a tree stand and, like, having deer, like, walk underneath me and stuff. And I grew up hunting with my dad in the National Forest where it was, like, oh, he only rifle hunted, so I never had any experience with bow hunting where it was, like, if you saw a doe walking through the brush, like, it was, like, oh, my gosh, a deer, like, shoot it. And that was at, you know, 100-plus yards. Yeah. And then, so as soon as I got a bow in my hand and I'm like up in a tree and they're like walking around, I'm just like, dude, this is awesome. And pretty much ever since then, I'm just like, this is, I'd, I'd much prefer bow hunting over rifle hunting. Yeah. But yeah, I've pretty much been hooked. How much do you practice throughout? I mean, do you, do you take your same kind of discipline from being an athlete into your bow hunting where your, you know, practice regimen is part of the plan? Through and through. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I have a range set up in my backyard, and now that we have our new house built, um, I have a 20-yard range in my basement. So with two kids, it can be a little hectic, but yeah. I try to I try to shoot as much as I can, especially now that I have this bow. I'll be, I'll be slinging some arrows. <laughs> That's awesome. What's on your uh, bucket list? For hunt-wise? Yeah. I want to do a moose hunt. Oh, who? Yeah. Which one? Like you? I don't even know. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> wherever there's a moose just want to get that moose yeah, on i just want to get within like 10 yards of a freaking huge moose dang i mean that's pushing it yeah, well right into that <laughs> 10 yard zone huh i feel like the end zone the, yeah the percentage chance of me getting within <laughs> 10 yards of a moose is probably better than me making it to the nfl so oh <laughs> positive thinking i like yep, that yeah dang it's too bad it's not it's a covid year otherwise if canada was open we could do a moose hunt i can make that happen we could yeah, go. Some, like we could go somewhere and have. And like I, said, I told you before, I I haven't elk hunted yet either. So that's something too that I'd I'd like to try. If you came up to BC with me, we'd definitely test your receiving skills. Yeah. Because we'd be hucking Budweisers and fireballs <laughs> at you. Think fast. <laughs> For sure. For sure. Well, what was one of the takeaways? I guess for you here. I know we're limited on time. And that was my fault. I actually dropped something and made a royal mess of this place <laughs> before we were able to hit record. So now we're battling the battling the flight yeah. schedule. But um, I think just the like when you actually wrote it down on the floor of the steps to go through mm-hmm. to actually just kind of think that through before you shoot and just think of that process. Like you said, if you don't think of that when you're shooting at a 170 inch deer, mm-hmm. it's just going to be like you know fast breathing like i don't know what happened i just pulled back shot yeah rack rack attack if i start now and just do that all the time to where when i'm in a tree stand and that happens it's like i'm sure i'm still going to get a little bit of buck fever but it'll at least be in my head like okay did you ever do that like for receiving or did you guys have a sports psychology coach that you know when it was like hey you get called you know like you're the person you're the touchdown guy. This play is you. 
did they ever say, you know, you need to, you know, if you're running a post route, one, two, three, four, five, yeah. you know, pivot, turn, run to the, you know, like just make it a process and yeah. not, so like not a play. Everything in Green Bay, like was footsteps, footwork. Yep. Um, or I, I wasn't used to that. I was used to just yardage, you know, which there are some routes that are yeah. yardage that you'd have to get in that range. But yeah, on some of the particular routes, yeah, that's all, it's all footsteps. And you're just, as you're running that route, that's where like the great receivers in the league, like that stuff comes natural to them to where they're not thinking mm-hmm. one, two, three, four, five, six, seven turn. Yeah. Come back to the where, ball where to be honest with you, that's how my brain worked. Like mm-hmm. I'm like running the route, like counting my steps just because, A, I wanted to make sure I did it right. Yeah. And, like, when someone tells me seven steps, I'm like, I have to count now. I just can't. <laughs> if I get a number in my head, I'm like, I can't just not count now. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it's pretty precise. But Well, dude, I've had a great time. I want you to come back. We'll need to, we need to extend the podcast um, with another round. And you need to come back, you know, when we're doing some – some plots and hanging out. You went out oh, shed hunting. I love plotting. <laughs> you do? I love plotting. You went for a little <laughs> shed hunting today. Yeah, I came up empty-handed. <laughs> Tim came back with a turkey feather. He Yeah, he was pretty pumped when he found that. I said, uh, I go, were you looking for, like, <laughs> whitetail sheds or turkey feathers? He's like, I don't know, but there's a ton of feathers out there. He goes, I think there was a, he said, I think there was a cock fight. <laughs> he, found a, he found a jawbone and he hollered at me. I found a jawbone. Do you want it? I was like, no, <laughs> just let it be. It's probably where a coyote had ate a turkey yeah. and it's just a big mess. Yep. And he's probably thought there was this dynamic super turkey fight yeah. right there. <laughs> Feathers everywhere. Found a jawbone. <laughs> well, Jesus. Well, dude, it was a real pleasure. I had yeah. so much fun with you. Thank you so it, much. It for went by me. super fast. It's yeah, a bummer dude. that we lost six hours. I know. With you fighting the wind and the spark, yeah, it is what spark it is. mobile. It's meant to be. I got here. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was awesome. Your bow build, hail mary, dude, nailed it. Yeah, it was awesome. I actually kind of rubbed it in Jeff's face a little bit. So his bow is green with gold accents, which was mm-hmm. what you wanted. Yep. But we actually have a bow right here that's going to be it's going to be getting used for. The March to a Million, so Killcliff and the Navy SEAL Foundation have been working together for a long time, and Killcliff, you know, made it a mission to raise a million dollars for the Navy SEAL Foundation, and they're very, very, very close right now. And they actually asked if I would come in and do something really cool as an experience to help them get over that number. So we made really a -a one-of-a-kind like bow this is a gold a gold flake golden i call it the golden trident which is this bow that we're going to be putting up for a raffle as well as a one-on-one experience just like you had and um kill cliff for a year and that bow was here so i could film a little you know video to let people know about it and it might already be done by the time this podcast comes out but it might be right about the same time but just to kind of rub it into you, since it's this really cool <laughs> gold riser with green accents, I said, well, you wanted the green one with the gold, but this is what we had originally <laughs> made for you. And you kind of had this face like, I was like uh, well, that one was kind of cool too. <laughs> <laughs> 
That would have worked. I would have took that one, I guess. Dude, I know. It's sitting on sweet. your jersey right now, and it looks it awesome. Is. That thing is sweet. I mean, it looks awesome. Well, thanks so much, dude. I want to make sure you get to your plane and not yeah, have to drive the, no spark, drive the spark <laughs> to, back to Michigan. And uh, if you're in Michigan and you need tires or wheels. Hit me up. Janice Tire. Yes, sir. What's your jingle? Um, I don't think we have a jingle yet. <laughs> okay, we got to make one. We but hey, we can one. ship wheels, tires anywhere, anywhere in the nation, straight to your door. All right. Mounted, balanced. All right. So hit me up. Cloudy. Got to get that stock taco that you just bought. Better get that thing lifted up, son. Widen that stance. All right. Thanks, everybody. Knock on. Be sure to visit knockonarchery.com to see our entire line of trendy knock-on lifestyle clothing. Knockonarchery.com.